This is Sports Talk Podcast. I'm Rose Campbell Dobbin. This is episode four. And another face on my episode today on my channel. She attends now Rutgers University as a sports journalism and our communications studies major. She lives across the bridge in the town I call Rutherford, New Jersey. I mean, we're both out of high school. No ill will anymore. A rivalry is a rivalry, but everyone's all friends in the end. Her name is Gianni Soriano. My friend, my pal, thank you for coming on. Uh, first of all, uh, give us a little background, a uh, little aspirations and stuff. How did you get into sports journalism and or uh, media communication studies, involved sports, and like either a dream of yours is to report or call play-by-play or color commentary or even do in-studio work. So give us a little uh, brief description about that. So I've been playing all types of sports since before I can even remember. Soccer, basketball, track, everything. I was involved at a very young age and I instantly found such a strong passion for sports and I was playing them all year round. And my parents were so heavily involved in it as well with me and they loved it. And uh, along with the communications aspect of it, my entire family are very big Giants fans. And my father's been taking me to Giants games since before I can even remember in the old stadium. And along with my love for playing sports, I had such a strong love for the game of football, watching it and for the Giants. And I've been going to games for so long. I just loved it so much. And then I decided that I didn't want to pursue a career in playing sports, but I always wanted it to be a part of my life. So then I thought to take a communications and broadcasting route. Uh, My goals are to most certainly, hopefully land a spot on NFL Network, commentate football, speak on football. And now that I've been thinking about it, I've really been thinking about branching out to all other sports, even working with Major League Baseball, basketball, hockey, all of it. I love sports all across the board. Football just has a very special place in my heart, but definitely want to branch out to all sports and broadcast and really be involved. That's very good. And uh, do you have any, like, sports media figures and or uh, on studio people, uh, hosts, reporters, uh, commentators, announcers that, like, you aspire to look up to or like kind of like branch off of to like guess because I have a friend of mine that he uh he goes to my school and he does non-stop uh what do you say uh he imitates uh play-by-play announcers from NHL all teams he uh radio on screen he's just so invested in hockey but are there like a few people that come to your mind that like oh, I want to be the next, like, Doris Burke or next uh, Sage Steele or next Mike Breen or this and that, so. The one person that always pops in my head is if I could be it, I would love to be the next Kim Jones. Being a female in the sports world is always a little difficult, but with Kim Jones along with so many other women who have made it, not easier, but more realistic for women to enter the field. I most certainly look up to women, and Kim Jones is definitely the one person I aspire to be. She works for NFL Network. She's a Penn State alumni, and I just love watching her reports. I love turning on NFL Network and hearing her talk. She's very heavily involved in the NFC East. Being a Giants fan, it's always great hearing her speak, and she's so educated. She's so easy to listen to. She's such a wholesome person and I just really love her work and who she is and I would I aspire to be like her one day and that's obviously Erin Andrews as well she's amazing so many other females yeah that's uh, that's very good so speaking about the uh, NFC East let's talk about the four-time Super Bowl champion Big Blue Big Blue Wrecking Crew G-Men the New York Football Giants uh yeah. First season without future Hall of Famer, and both of you, I can argue with anybody else. He's a first battle Hall of Famer. We can argue about his record, but let's deep dive into it. He, the two time Super Bowl champion, two time Super Bowl MVP, 
And I say this with the great passion that he will enshrine his brother next year because his brother will be a first battle of Hammer. And without Eli Manning this year and a new coaching staff led by Joe Judge, formerly worked with Nick Saban in Alabama and Bill Belichick at the New England Patriots, a special teams guy. But with a whole new running scheme and offense led by a new offensive coordinator, the former head coach of the NFC rival Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett, and a whole new defensive positioning. How do you feel as the Giants with second-year quarterback Daniel Jones and third-year running back Saquon Barkley out of Penn State will look to change the Giants' culture and get them winning again with this whole new push for the franchise? Uh, I definitely see this year for the Giants being yet, sadly, another rebuilding year, but this time with hope. I'm a huge fan of the bringing in of Joe Judge as head coach. Jason Garrett has a lot to offer, and sadly, with the retirement of Eli, we can really focus on building a team around Daniel Jones and building him up and finding the support that he needs to really lead this offense and become a franchise quarterback. The Giants drafted Andrew Thomas, their first pick in the draft, uh, for a tackle. The Giants really worked on a lot of positions that they needed in the draft, and I was very happy with it. Um, What else? I'm really liking where the Giants are right now, even though we can't necessarily say it's a playoff run team. It's not a Super Bowl team, but there's a lot of building to do. It's a lot of young, new, fresh talent. And something that I'm really looking forward to seeing this year is taking what we have and building with it and building with it. So within the next few years, maybe even sooner, we can have a team that is consistently a playoff contender, a division winner, a team that wins and sticks together and works together. And like you mentioned, the the, uh, fourth overall pick, the Giants got left tackle Andrew Thomas from the University of Georgia. And also they made some key second and third round acquisitions to fill in their linebacker spot along to help with one of the defensive leaders as Jabril Peppers by way of Paramus Catholic basketball prep in New Jersey by way of the University of Michigan. And the Giants selected Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama, and also I believe the third round linebacker Cam Brown from Penn State. Can that, along with Peppers, in the defensive court, can that help the Giants with this new scheme to have them known for the defense again and probably play spoiler for their NFC East rivals? So I definitely believe so because like we said about Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama, going back to, I believe, the 2015 draft, Landon Collins, safety from Alabama, you can say repeating history, but this guy is the real deal. The year the Giants went on the playoff run but got cut short, our defense that year was phenomenal. It was strong. It was powerful. People were afraid to go up against that defense. They clicked. And I definitely think with the players drafted, the offseason, and the people they picked up, we were definitely on a great track to be even better than that defense. And I'm very confident in it. Maybe not this season, but within the next few years, it's definitely going to be something strong. And we definitely brought in the right players, the right coaching staff, and just all the proper essentials to really build the Giants back up again. Yeah, and also to talk about the passing game, the wide receiver core is looking very good, very strong, and it'll be break broken up into bits and pieces to build back up again, we got Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram, one of my all-time favorite college players growing up as a kid because I'm also a Notre Dame fan, Golden Tate. And also the Giants signed free agents, Benjamin Victor and Austin Mack, both from the Ohio State University, both two good slant route catchers who can break have break, breakaway speed. So... I say to everyone this, Daniel Jones is Eli Manning 2.0 with great athleticism and speed for his running ability and his capability. Not to knock off of Eli, but, I mean, Jones just, like, has that, like, mentality. 
He was coached by one of Eli's former quarterback coaches, Lionel Duke. Um, and, I mean, everyone wrote this kid off the radar. Uh, I guess most of us wrote him off the radar, but, like, Giants fans, we are. We stick with who we got, and we hope and pray for the best. But how do you think now Daniel Jones has the key to the city, no pun intended, in in East Rutherford, how do you think he's going to adapt now since he has – put on some weight or athleticism and he's working on his ball security. Um, I'm definitely very confident in Daniel Jones. He had one good year with Eli and Eli was very mature and responsible with the situation, gave them the tips that he needed, gave them the advice he needed. But the one thing that makes me feel even better is that the Giants have been suffering with the tackle situation and the offensive line situation for years now. And we saw that with Eli plenty. And that makes me even more confident in Daniel Jones is that over the offseason in the draft, we were working on the tackle situation and offered him more security. I definitely think he is going to have a good season. I'm not going to lie. I was one of those who was a little skeptical at first in the draft taking him. But after a season watching him, even though it wasn't the record we'd hoped for, we didn't see everything we'd like to you see promise and you definitely see lots of room for improvement. He is one of those guys that you keep around on your team for a while, just like Eli. Like you said, he's an Eli 2.0. I really like seeing him. So I'm really excited. And I think he has options. I do have to say, I think we need to maybe work on the tight end receiver end just a little bit because there's still some players with injuries we're dealing with and, trades and who's getting signed and who's not I definitely feel like that can be an issue but you can't worry too much about the receivers in the tight end game if you don't have a line to give Daniel Jones the time to get to them so I think we tackled the first problem and then we can just keep building on him from there very good so I've been looking at the NFC East and the top dog no pun intended in the Division is none other than America's team, the five-time Super Bowl champion, Dallas Cowboys. And they had a good draft, and I will make the case here that they drafted probably the best hands-on receiver in the draft. You can argue with Harry, Henry Ruggs III getting, getting drafted a uh, round later or Jerry Judy, both who played Alabama, great receivers and stuff. But this kid, C.D. Lamb, who's going to be wearing Dez Bryant's number 88 from the University of Oklahoma. And you see Dak Prescott with Zeke in the backfield, and you have that great offensive line and that running gun defense led by Lane Vanderesh and this new system with now new head coach, Mike McCarthy with, I call, the best quarterback in college football history just because of his record, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. And I do see the Cowboys win the division just because of what they got already. And that's not a knockoff to the Eagles because I do make the case because as much as Carson Wentz puts his body in line, it, it, it just, like, kills me to see, like, oh, he gets injured again and with the most important time of their season. And this is also a crazy option because we might have another Taysom Hill in the guy that you love near and dear to your heart who got you a national championship and he left because he was a graduate transfer at the University of Oklahoma, he is Jalen Hurts. And I want you to talk about not only how, like, this division will be with also the Redskins having that Ohio State group with Dwayne Haskins, Terry McClellan, and Chase on as defense. But, like, where can you see this division, like, go in the future? Because, like, everyone says it's, like, who wants to win the division the least? And it's, like, one of the most – Poor, it's the poorest division in the league and with these four teams it's like it's like pick and choose whether 
oh, you want to clinch this week or you want to clinch that week? Or it depends on if you have to play the Giants the next two weeks. But what's great about the schedule is that they don't have to play each other until like a couple weeks' time. So where can you see this division going in the future? I definitely see lots of improvement for this division. Um, Hopefully, if we do have a season this year, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Redskins are all coming in with new head coaching staff. And the having a new head coach really changes a lot for the team, Ch- can ultimately change the entire foundation and how the players really do play. I thought the Cowboys did outstanding in the draft. The Redskins picked up the best player, in my opinion, in the draft, the most talented player. But I... The NFC East is definitely seen as the worst due to standings and everything, but I definitely feel, we talked about this, about the Giants with improvement and rebuilding. I definitely see that in a lot of these teams, and I can ultimately see the Cowboys having, if not the best, one of the best offenses in this league, and there's no question about that. Giants fan or not, you can't deny that or take that away from them. But, yeah, I definitely see lots of improvement, and I hope to see improvement. I would love to see a more competitive division can't win a division with single digit wins. That's just, what is that? That's not normal, but definitely want to see hope for that. Bring in more competition, bring in more of a drive and put more emphasis and more importance onto those division games and really bring excitement and bring something to the game and to the table. That's, that's good. Do you see any other teams in their respective divisions, like coming out, like have a coming out party, I guess. I mean, we obviously know the AFC West is with the defending champion Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the AFC South has predominantly wanting wanting to pick the Indianapolis Colts to win the division, much to the dismay of the Houston Texans with their situation. The North has Bengals, the Redskins, the Ravens, the Steelers, of course. And the East, predominantly, without, I can say, the GOAT, because he is the GOAT. The Patriots don't have Tom Brady. They got Superman two nights ago for the one-year deal. And I'm very confident with this, because Cam Newton, as an athlete and a football player, is magnificent. When he gets himself straight, like, Media cam, like, not, like, having, like, I'll say this with no disrespect, Cam Newton is without a doubt one of the best athletes in the league. It's just, like, he will get his personality set straight the Patriot way, as they say, with the Kraft family and with Bill Belichick in charge. But that division is going to be something because we got no Brady. Can do now in Foxborough. Mm-hmm. The Jets are working their way to be something, but Jamal Adams requested the trade, and there's rumors of him wanting to go to Jerry's World in Texas. We have the Bills, who, without a doubt, are the frontrunners to win that division with Josh Allen. And I'm a huge Josh Allen fan because he's proved a lot of doubt is wrong coming from D1 AA school in Wyoming. And then you have the Dolphins with. One of your favorite quarterbacks, the man from Hawaii, Tua Tagovailoa, and what the Dolphins are doing, it's it. They'll work in a couple of years, and where can you see the AFC East go in this whole like rebuilding phase? Because no one knows who's going to start in New England between Jared Stinn, the quarterback from Auburn, from Auburn, two Auburn quarterbacks, I should say. That went after the QB spot. So where do you see that division go? The AFC East, uh, like you said, you got the Bills, the Dolphins, the Patriots, the Jets. Uh, the Jets being right here sharing each record with us. I have no bad blood towards them. I hope to see them succeed. I hope to see Jamal Adams stay in New York. I love him. I think he's a great athlete. I think he's a great player. Deserves to get paid. And I wouldn't really want to see him anywhere else. He's a great player arguably one of the best at his position in the league. But um, with the Patriots picking up Cam Newton, it's a little hard to see where they're going to go with that. Like you said, with the one-year deal, have to see what they're doing with that, how they pick up 
the Bills, though, I definitely – you asked me who I saw favoring for the AFC East. I definitely obviously favor the Bills. They have Josh Allen, great player. I think they should have at least 10 to 11, 12 wins this year. So I can definitely see the Bills in their standing right now carrying or being at top, at the top of the division for the maybe a few upcoming years. And I'd really like to see the Jets get up there as well. And then with the Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, huge fan of Tua. Love him. I think he's a great athlete. I really think with his injury, a lot of people are underestimating him and thinking that he's not going to be able to come back as strong from it. But from seeing him do his mini workouts, workouts with teams, smaller stuff when recovery, I still see that same Tua. I hope for the best for him. I think he's a great athlete, and I want to really see him carry this team and really get them back into becoming a powerhouse team again. That's good. And I will shift over to, uh, like, more of the other NFC uh, conferences. You got the NFC North with the Bears, the Packers, the Lions, and the Minnesota Vikings. That division is I would say a whirlwind. And then you have the NFC West with the runners up, the current NFC conference champion, San Francisco 49ers. You have the Los Angeles Rams as well. And you have the NFC South with the new and improved Carolina Panthers with new former Baylor head coach, Matt Rule. The Carolina Panthers with... I believe now quarterback Teddy Bridgewater, formerly of the New Orleans Saints. And you have the New Orleans Saints, like I just mentioned before, with that that first battle Hall of Famer, future first battle Hall of Famer, Drew Brees behind center. You got the Ohio State, I should say, New New Orleans Saints with all the Ohio State guys they have. And now we turn to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that have a decent offensive line, good defense. Bruce Arians, I love Bruce Arians. He's, he's a good coach. He's, he's one of those coaches where he's like an Andy Reid. Like, you want him to win and stuff, and look what they got. Chris Godwin at the receiver core, Mike Evans, and the guy that came back this past year, number 87 himself, they call him Gronk, Rob Gronkowski. And the guy throwing the ball to all three of those guys, Tom Brady, six-time Super Bowl champion, future first battle Hall of Famer, the GOAT, number 12, touchdown time, TB12. No one ever thought he was going to leave after 20 years in New England. And everyone remember watching that game. The last pass he ever threw as a Patriot was a pick six in the Walker game against the Titans. And for me, it's like, as a kid, we beat the Patriots twice. We 18-1. I mean, I'm a, I'm a hardcore Boston fan, but except for football because I stay loyal to uh, the Giants. But, I mean, th- this guy has done it all. And it, it's funny because... He's doing this, and I say this because I think it's the right answer. He's doing this to prove himself and to prove to others that he can play in a different system than what the Patriots' way was meant for him. So could you, like, agree or disagree with how Brady would shape himself up to be to play in a different system because – Everyone says that, oh, he's not going to be the same without Belichick if Belichick carried him and that. And I totally disagree because Bill Belichick, he ran the Giants' office back in the late 80s, early 90s. He's the inventor of the Big Blue Record crew. He has literally eight championships, I believe. With I'm, I'm sorry, not eight championships. He's got, yeah, oh, yes, I stand corrected, eight championships. Two with the Giants, and then all three he left with Cleveland Browns, and then ultimately signed that one-day contract, wrote on paper, said, I'm leaving the Jets. And then next thing you know, a man named Robert Kraft picks up Bill Belichick and the rest is history. But uh, how do you think Tom Brady's going to fit with this Tampa Bay scheme and this new 
area because first of all, it's not going to be cold. It's going to be very, very sunny in Florida and this new environment for him. And how do you think he's going to fit in with British Arians? Uh, most notably, throw to receivers nonstop-wise and have an effective running game. Because we saw the Bucks play last year, and uh, we won in a uh, heartbreaker because uh, the uh, Bucks field goal kicker decided <laughs> to go a little wide right with the field goal against the Giants. But I'll give the floor to you to give your thoughts on uh, if Tom Brady can uh, withstand, like, then the now pressure he has add on him to carry this Bucks team because people are saying, oh, the Bucks are going to be playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. So how do you think Brady will fit in Florida? Um, Tom Brady has proved himself to be the best there is. Won it all, does it all. I definitely think at the start it could be definitely a huge adjustment you he's been playing under the Patriots organization his whole entire career. That's all he knows. Him and Bill Belichick were like partners in crime. I was shocked to see that decision happen. I thought he was going to stay and retire there, but he thought it was time to go. I think he's going to handle it okay. He has a good head coach. He, like you said, he has Gronk with him, Mike Evans, who's phenomenal. I think he's really going to handle it well. It's a good team. They have a, also a great defense, so he definitely has that backing him up and helping Matt as well. It's definitely going to be difficult, though. Different division, different teams to play against, different environment, different fans. I definitely think he's going to get support from the fans, though. Tom Brady, you know, on your team, he's phenomenal. Definitely going to be a lot of pressure, though. Definitely going to be a lot of pressure. And I don't really know – I mean, I don't want to jinx the guy or put out anything bad that's going to come back and make me look like a fool, but the pressure with Tom Brady as he gets older in his career, I mean, I don't know if you see it too, but it looks like he's kind of afraid to get hit sometimes, getting a little older, doesn't want to get hit, so that's where that line's going to have to come in, protect him, keep him from getting hit so much, and then if they can do that and receivers make catches, work together, the defense keeps stays off the field as much as possible, I think they're going to be fine. I think Tom Brady is going to be fine. I think he knows how to handle himself. He's been in the league long enough. He'll be able to do it. That's uh, that's very, very. That's a very important fact that you, you never see Tom Brady go down on the ground too often, getting yeah. sacked because he's always had that great offensive line protecting him, and he's got the great escape, escape the pocket, and uh, I mean the play design for him to throw a play action pass or. Really dumb, literally a dump to the running back, or I should say, as the Patriots say, the passing back with uh, how many great hands each Patriot running back has ever had to play alongside Tom Brady. So we'll uh, move on aside with the NFL and go on to the NBA with all this stuff going on with the quarantine stuff. But Let's move on to two of your teams. I'll save the other one for later, but in the few. But let's talk about the New York Knicks and that whole situation. First of all, I think I don't know where the Knicks are going with this direction. There's rumors that they want to get LaMelo or He's not fit to go to New York because he could play for a better market team, I guess. And they never get lucky with the draft lottery. And it, they were supposed to get Zion last year, and they never got Zion. They got R.J. Barrett, who's the start of a player, a generational player. But where can you see, like, the Knicks? Like, basically, like, how can their front office, like, magically, like, think to their heads, like, oh, we need to find the right way to run this team. And there's, like, bits and rumors about former New Jersey Nets, Dallas Mavericks, NBA champion, the one and only Jason Kidd being in line for the next head coaching vacancy for the New York Knicks. So where could you – what direction could you see the Knicks take in the possible future? With, like, the players or the display of the team? Uh, it could be anything because I – Personally, like, for Knicks fans, I do feel bad for Knicks fans because 
They haven't been the same since the late 90s. They had their great run with uh, Carmelo Anthony in the early part of the decade after he left Denver. And uh, ultimately, they ran into, uh, I would say, probably the most uh, hyped-up team in the early part of the decade. We'll get to that part later because it's been 10 years, and we'll talk about that and how that uh, changed the whole perplexion of free agency in basketball. But how do you think the Knicks are going to, like, bestow upon, like, expectations? Because literally people say they got no expectations, whether it's being run by the team, by Dolan, or, like, whatever the case may be. But, like, could there be hope for the Knicks in the coming future? I definitely think that there can be hope for the Knicks if they can hopefully obtain a successful lottery pick. I think right now they finished sixth worst in the entire NBA, so gives them most certainly good chances to get one of those top five picks, pick up a good player, and then you have RJ Barrett, Barrett, never get that last name correct, but build a team around him and get young players, look at good young players, get like a fix up the entire coaching and organizational staff and just completely start fresh with new and young because the Knicks have just been bringing in veterans and bringing in players and it's just been, it's honestly somewhat difficult to keep up with. You have different players and different teams every year and then they just have this horrible reputation of being somewhat of a joke team that never really makes a run or never does well. I definitely think they just need to build a team about around Duke kid and then fix coaching and just really do what it takes to break out of that reputation of being a team that is never a legit contender. Because then if you can break that reputation, you can have more people that want to come play for the Knicks. Because who doesn't want to play in New York? You just have to get a better looking team, keep it more consistent, and really try to do well in the draft and keep working for that in the future. Good. Um, And now let's move on over to the other team that unfortunately did play their last game in Oracle Arena that happened to be a tough, tough, tough NBA Finals loss. And and I see that because you look at what Steph Curry and the 2018-19 Warriors did that year with all the expectations that they were going to be back in the finals again. Another finals trip, and they have to face the up-and-coming, surging Toronto Raptors. First time ever Canada has had their team in the NBA Finals, led by former MVP Kawhi Leonard. And they win in seven games. And with no Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson gets hurt, and and they ultimately lose. And now you move to a new arena called the Chase Center in downtown San Fran, and KD leaves to go to the Nets. He's still hurt. Clay has a torn ACL, and Steph breaks his hand the first month of the year, and he was out until March. And you have all these guys coming in. They got D'Angelo Russell. Draymond is still there. And, I mean, it's been tough to be a Dubs fan. I'm certainly for you because you watch this team grow from, I say the days from Monte Ellis to Baron Davis. I mean, the We Believe team over 11 years ago. If you have not watched that clip of Baron Davis dunking over AK, that is the best reaction I have ever seen a building ever have in an NBA playoff game because they, and they feed it off that in the future and they got a kid from Davidson who took their team to the final four took their team to NIT and this kid who was told that he'll never be something and they said he only has his father's shot 
and he turns out to be one of the greatest three-point shooters right now in NBA history. And then you have a kid whose father played in the NBA, and he's from Washington. He went to Washington State, and he becomes another great three-point three shooter. And the Splash Brothers with Clay Thompson. But now with – you think now since they say the dynasty is over, that the Warriors will possibly restock up on young talent or probably get more like hockey players because of the market capability of what they're worth? Um, with the Warriors right now, going into the past season, you knew it was just going to – well, even losing Clay was just a horrible thing. And then what was it, I believe, four games in with Steph? Barely had a season – but my opinion on it is the finals against the Cavs, you can most certainly give KD huge thanks for that one. I'll big say time. that. Big time. Yeah, big time props to KD. So, so obviously losing him was just unfortunate as well. But you also have to think about it. It was around, I think, the five years ago season when the Warriors won, when it was basically just – Clay, Steph, Draymond. Draymond, that's it. Yeah. And they literally had they literally had Leandro Barbosa. They had they literally had Sean Livingston. They had uh Anderson Barajow. Their bench literally outplayed the Cavs starters. Their bench that first game starters. Yes. That team was phenomenal. It was so fun to watch. So much there was always energy. They were all so much endurance. You had so many people coming off of the bench. It was so fun to watch them. And so the only thing, the only reason I'm not the most concerned with the Warriors is because you still have Steph. You still have Clay. Clay might not be the same player anymore after that injury, which most people aren't. It's hard. There's very much high risk to it for it happening again. But Draymond Green, still phenomenal. I definitely think with still having those three players and having them back and healthy, I'm not worried. I don't really see the whole dynasty being over. Do I believe it's going to be the same as it was for the past five years? No, I don't believe so. You don't have the depth on the bench anymore. We don't. We got They got rid of lots of players, but I definitely think that once they're all healthy and they can pick someone up, see what happens with Ball, wherever he ends up going. But – wouldn't be the shining star there, so maybe not. But I definitely feel like whoever they pick in the draft needs to be someone that can be like I – don't, I don't even know the proper word to describe it, but just someone to help grow and, like, push Clay and Steph and Draymond up. You need more people to, like, support it, and you need that depth again. And I feel like once they can rebuild that depth, and everything else, then they'll be fine, and they can work towards being that same team they were roughly around five years ago. That's good. That's good. So now going to branch off from the NBA into college football. So let's talk about what occurred last year. And I will say this without a doubt, Alabama goes into the national championship game if Tua does not play or does not get hurt against Mississippi State and when I saw Mac Jones go into Jordan Hare Stadium in Auburn Alabama the last week of the year the Iron Bowl I thought they were absolutely going to get destroyed but that kid literally came off his horse and did all he could and unfortunately yes they did lose to Auburn and it was a pain because they did not end up in the SEC championship for the first time in I don't know how many years. I can't remember the last time they haven't made the SEC championship. But then you have a kid. He's from Santa Ana, California. And he went to Monday High School. He was the number two or number one high school quarterback in the country overall. This kid is Bryce Jones. And Gianna, I will tell you this. This kid is a dual-tech quarterback. He literally zips the ball probably, like I told you before, 10 times better than Kyler Murray. And this kid has the great ability to escape from the pocket and use his wheels to 
of course, get a first down. But also, I want to talk about Devontae Smith and that receiver core that lost a few key players because Jerry Judy and Henry Suggs III, III did go to the draft. And also, you have another guy returning in Jalen Roddle, who's also a kick returner. And if no one saw his highlights kick returning, you, you can't stop that kid. And there's a huge guy in the backfield that should be a tight end, but he they put him at running back for a reason because he's Derrick Henry 2.0. It's Najee Harris. So I'm very excited to see Bama play this year because I think they're out for something because I don't think LSU might be the same since their national championship. There's going to be a huge weight on LSU's shoulders to be the defending champion. Georgia, they'll be they'll be good again and stuff. But I mean, all eyes are on the Crimson Tide and Sabins, I believe, twelfth or thirteenth season in making this program nationally again. Because back then in the early two thousands they weren't usually that good and they rose they rose to the occasion once Saban left LSU and he came to Alabama and national championship after national championship after national championship. So where can you see the Crimson Tide go this season with, of course, Clemson with Trevor Lawrence as well as Ohio State, the Ohio State University with Justin Fields as a quarterback. But let's just dive into the Crimson Tide because they are your team, of course. And what what are your thoughts on that? And how are they going to get another title for those folks in Tuscaloosa? Um, Alabama is just Alabama football run by Nick Saban. They are always a powerhouse. But the one concern I have with Alabama is the fact that throughout the season, they're not playing against these big name schools. They're playing unranked teams, teams that are don't have their names out there so then they're not properly equipped to go into these big games and win them in the final mark um in these games where they're playing random teams that no one really hears of they're up 50 to nothing at halftime so then you have all the second string coming in the third strings coming in so then when it does come to time for playoffs it's kind of like they lose in the end or they don't have the momentum to finish that game or they don't have the power where they don't even have the game strategy to even finish the game. But teams such as Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, different. They have that ability to just go out there and tackle down teams. But with that being said, no more Tua. I was a big Tua fan. Heartbreaking to see him go down. I really wish he did not go back into that game because he did not need to. But I know you, big fan Bryce Young, like his athleticism and his playing type. Najee Harris, very good, just like you said. I definitely think they're still going to be a contender. I no doubt they'll probably be a part of the playoffs once again. So I'm not too concerned, but maybe now with them not winning the championship, not even being in the championship, it'll knock them back a few steps to really build it up, play these tough teams, really be able to have a season that prepares them for the postseason. Good, good. So now we'll uh... – shift over from college uh, football and talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming MLB season because a week ago, uh, the MLB is back. They will have a 60-game season, 40 games with divisional teams, 20 with interleague kind of geography, geographical teams. So say if the AL East gets to play NL East teams. So – that would be Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Mets, and they'll all play each other as well, divisionally wise. So I know you're a, you're a huge Mets fan, I'm guessing. And how can you see them go this year? Because they stocked up on a lot, even though Noah Syndergaard is out with Tommy John surgery. They still have Jacob Degrom, who I consider, without a doubt, one of the best pitchers in the National League in all of baseball. Marcus Stroman, they also have former Red Sox and former Senior Hall Preparatory School alum by way of West Orange, New Jersey. 
Rick Porcel in their starting bullpen, and they have a decent, decent uh, relief crew and closing with Edward Diaz if he gets better. But this lineup uh, with Michael Conforto, Jonas Cespedes coming back, and uh, I mean, of course, Pete Alonso. Uh, uh, where do you see the Mets go far this year? Or, like, is it going to be, like, a decent year for the Mets? Because, of course, you have the Braves, who are still good. You have the Nats, who are the reigning World Series champions. But how can you see the Mets go, like, farther this year than they have had before in the past few years? Because they haven't been in the playoffs since they lost the World Series to the Orioles six years ago. Um... I can definitely see the Mets doing well this season. Like you said, they have still a lot of talent. They have a lot of people still there, even though with Noah Syndergaard, not. But, um, yeah, the only concern I kind of have is just the transition from how a season would typically go to how they're battling with COVID. So it's definitely hard to think. I feel like personally it's very hard to really say how a team is going to do because the circumstances are just so different. And at this rate, you don't really know. We have players opting out. We have players just testing positive. So it's kind of hard to see who's going to play, what teams are really going to be as strong as they should be due to this virus and everything. So my opinion is a little hard to tell. I have high hopes. I think the Mets have some pretty good talent on the roster, some pretty good people that have been on the roster. So not concerned. Hopefully it's a playoff run, but we'll see what happens with everything going on. Yeah, and I would love to talk about my Red Sox, and it's sad to break to everyone because I am a diehard Red Sox fan. I live in a small town where there are a bunch of Yankees and Mets fans that love to joke around with me about, oh, Yankees are going to win the World Series. And without a doubt, it pains me to say that I think the Yankees will win the World Series this year because they have a loaded roster and they have a loaded pitching staff. And also, with the Red Sox, I mean, they let Mookie Betts go. They let Brock Holt leave. They have Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, Michael Chavis, Mitch Moreland. They got Kendrick signed, Jonathan Lucroy, Skadrick. Still got Christian Vasquez, Jackie Belly Jr., uh, Andrew Bettendi, uh signed Kevin Pillar. And in the trade that sent Mookie Betts and David Price, Got young and up-and-coming outfielder Alex Verdugo. That will round out their outfield. But pitching-wise, Chris Sale, the ace, and the guy that is the heartbeat for their Red Sox starting rotation will be out for the upcoming season because he's getting Tommy John surgery. And all eyes will be towards Nathan Eovaldi in rotating and starting spot and also Erod, a.k.a. Eduardo Rodriguez, and we will have a subpar, subpar uh, relief uh, crew and with Brandon Workman as delivering closing duties for the Boston Red Sox. And I do say this with a burning passion, but I look at the Yankees, the 27-time world champion, the, the class act, I guess you could say, and all professional sports. You see the hats everywhere. You see them all over the world. The pinstripes are noted often. Everyone's been in the stadium. They've seen Monument Park. You got Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks, Brett Gardner, uh, John Collar Stanton, DJ Mayhew, Luke Voigt, David Torres, Giovanni Urshela. I mean, you got Tommy Canley, you got Chad Green, you got Garrett Cole, Domingo Herman, you have Masahiro Tanaka, and then you have the Cuban Missile coming out in the bullpen, Arona Chavin. But I think, and I hate to say it because I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, these Yankees are going to be very, very scary this year. But I know you're a Mets fan, but I want to get you your thoughts on the rivalry and how ultimately and sadly that we have to say how good the Yankees will be because Brian Cashman is a good GM as well. 
the hierarchy of the Steinbrenner family, the family of the late great George Steinbrenner, aka the boss, the evil empire, the baby bombers are now not babies anymore. They are actually cracking the barrel into what I call the Little League ballpark of Yankee Stadium. So how do you think of the Yankees this year? How are they going to be? Because I think they're going to win the World Series this year. You think so? Yes. It's, yeah, it's without a doubt. Totally. I mean, they, they have it all across the board. Yeah. Their system is amazing. They're I mean, working. They're um, – training staff their trainers great doing everything it takes to keep them all healthy and stay healthy and that's like a huge thing keeping you have all these good players you have all this depth you have all this talent you need to keep them healthy keep them all in the field that's how you're going to win a world series that's how you're going to win a world series and then come back next year and still be strong not just win a world series and fall off and drop down in the rankings again but like, it, but also pains me is that um, it's been last few years with the Yankees. I mean, no one thought they were going to make the uh, ALCS in 2016. They lose to the, I believe, no, they did not. They did not make the playoffs in 2016. I'm sorry, they make it in 2017. They lose seven games to the Astros with new manager Aaron Boone, who who did hit the walk-off home run off of Tim Wakefield in the 3 AOCS in Game 7, and they did lose that World Series that year. So, haha to all my uh, Yankee, Yankee followers out there. And they absolutely had a fantastic year in 2018 with 100 wins, made the wild card, beat the Oakland Athletics, but they ran into the 108 and eventually world champion rival Boston Red Sox. And Ultimately, they did lose uh, last year uh, against the Houston Astros. This is before all the cheating scams started. But, I mean, if you look at the Yankees now, they restocked and reloaded. Aaron Boone, when he gets it right, he has to make those good game-time decisions and options to keep his players healthy and keep his pitching staff going. And you're going to be seeing a lot of balls being hit over uh, the short walls of the house that the captain Derek Jeter built. So I will end it off here today. Gianna, my friend, thank you again for coming on today and talking about your aspirations and your thoughts on this upcoming year with the tough uh, predicament we're in the past three months I mean, we haven't stepped foot onto a, uh, an actual campus in or so, three months, four months, going to be whatever. But I think you can, uh, any final thoughts before uh, I close it off? I just definitely think we should get back on here and talk. As soon as we find out that there's going to be a real season, the second a real season starts, then we can actually have something to talk about, not just hopes and desires that there'll be a season but no I thought it was a very good talk I'm really excited for all of the upcoming seasons it was really nice to hear your thoughts and opinions on the baseball and basketball really informed me of so much it was really great listening and speaking with you and it was awesome to be a part of this thank you uh ladies and gentlemen good morning good afternoon good night whatever it may be go out do something today this is sports talk podcast I'm your host Kevin Dobbin that was Gianna Soriano. Please go like, comment, subscribe. Remember, everyone, sports is the beacon of light and the beacon of hope. Again, go out and do something. That is all. Thank you.